I want to begin by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation as the custodians of the land where 3CR Community Radio is situated and broadcasts from. I want to also acknowledge that this program is being recorded over Zoom, that I am joining from the land of the Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation and pay respect on behalf of myself and my ancestors to Kulin Nation ancestors and elders, past and present. I also want to acknowledge the lands from which the guests on this program today are joining the Zoom from. Wadawurrung Country, Wurundjeri Woiwurrung Country, and Turbul and Jagara Country. The majority of the programs you will hear on the Disability Day broadcast have been recorded over Zoom because we're still in a pandemic and the material conditions disabled and chronically ill and especially immunocompromised and immunosuppressed people have to contend with uh, often force people living this reality to connect with each other online. I'm grateful for the technologies that allow us to ease our isolation in the present whilst also looking forward to a time when we can congregate safely and respectfully on liberated and restored country with the consent of the traditional owners of wherever we are. You're listening to Six Sovereign, a program for 3CR's Rest is Survival Disability Day broadcast. I'm Pauline Vituna, the Disability Day worker for 3CR. Six Sovereign takes its name from the Six Sovereign Zine, a powerful collection of written and visual artwork by disabled Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people about their experiences of COVID-19, published this year. In this program, we're going to be hearing from the zine's creator, Darcy, and two of the zine's contributors, Mo and HG, who'll be reading their pieces from the zine. But first, a song request from our guests. This track is Australia Does Not Exist by Dreaming Now. Australia does not exist Australia does not exist Australia does not exist oh, oh, oh. 1788 came upon this land Washed into the base, stepped upon sacred sands Didn't recognize there was governance at hand Laws and conditions not based upon demands Tribes, clans and families in line with sacred chants Songlines, stories, blessing woman, child, man Stars, constellations, formulating plans Bountiful planes of medicinal plants Spouse beyond the physical, beating our dents None of this dreaming, unfolded by chance But they didn't see this majesty Right before their eyes, liberal us as savages And plotted our demise Took our star formations to represent their plot Not realizing natural essence brought into those knots Busy painting laws to sidestep our rights Deny our very ways to rework out of sight, out of mind Spotted laws this landscape never defined In the previous 60,000 plus years of time That said, Australia still has seen a crime When they push aside the matters and it's blind in the blind what they be selling is men. Australia does not exist. But they keep on trying to tell them. Australia does not exist. Yo, it's straight up illegitimate. Australia. 
Those who take that land, take it for our earth. Those who take a stand, we'll nail before the throne, nail before the crown. Hands on the ground, then we'll take all the kids. Hush, don't make a sound, nothing but savages. We'll show them how they're supposed to live, and if they don't assimilate, I guess we'll have to demonstrate our superiority in every single way. And remind them how we've conquered them every single day. And what better way to do this than to give this land a name? Australia, yeah, the great land that was claimed. Man, it ain't gonna work. Watch us grow like flowers if we come from the dirt. The hurt runs deep. Our peep came just to reframe the pictures of the past so my people know where we came from. We've been here all along. See, Australia don't exist, just another damn man. Australia does not exist. What no, no, we no. selling is myth. As I write this, I struggle to recall the last time I left the house for reasons beyond taking out the bins, checking the mail, attending an appointment, or going to the pharmacy. I struggle to recall the last time I socially engaged with friends. I don't even bother to remember the last time I felt safe in a social setting. It's hard to imagine that there was ever a time when being around people didn't involve constant assessment and reassessment of risk asking myself the same question over and over and over. Is this worth risking my life for? I question the validity of my identity more than ever before. Physical presence and connection is an integral part of culture, of fostering and maintaining community and kinship. Am I really even mob if that's something I can't do? Do I have any right to claim blackness at this distance? The divide between myself and everything around me feels bigger each day. COVID would likely be a death sentence for me. Isolation is a safety mechanism I use to keep myself alive. But it is not a choice. 
It is a product of existing within structures of colonialism, capitalism, and white supremacy that position people like me as better off dead. But neglecting, ignoring, and even sacrificing oppressed communities during a crisis while positioning their illness and death as inevitable, even a relief? That is a choice. That is a deliberate and calculated choice. It is a choice that communities rendered insignificant and undesirable are forced to witness being made again and again every single day. This is a snippet of what existing at the intersection of blackness and disability amidst a global pandemic means for me. What it means for me, though, is not the same as what it means for the next disabled blackfella, or the one after that, or after that. There is, of course, no one all-encompassing disabled black experience. Our perspectives are broad, complex, diverse, messy, undefinable, and distinct. And yet, we rarely see any disabled First Nations experiences represented at all, let alone in all their nuanced glory. This is why I wanted to create Six Sovereign, because disabled First Nations perspectives deserve and need visibility. Multiply marginalised people continue to be sidelined in discussions around and responses to COVID. We are still finding ways to express how we fit into the pandemic world. We deserve for our expressions to be informed by our communities, not just the dominant colonial, capitalist, white supremacist perspectives that reduce us to a deficit, a nuisance, a problem to be solved. We deserve access to understandings of the world that have been shaped by lived experiences like our own. In these expressions, we can find solidarity, connection, shared experiences, and language and representations to identify with. Six Sovereign exists to create a space that we have been denied. It is a collection of stories from young, disabled First Nations people situating themselves in relation to COVID and vaccination. It is not an attempt to position any single perspective as factually or morally superior or correct. There is no wrong or right way to experience a global crisis. These stories encapsulate experiences of pain, struggle, loss, isolation, joy, abundance, strength, uncertainty, confusion, excitement, apathy, numbness, regret, and so much more. They are unedited, unabridged, undiluted accounts of just some of the limitless possibilities of what it means to be young, black, and disabled in a global pandemic. It is a great privilege to share this powerful collection of stories. I am endlessly grateful for everyone who made it happen. In particular, I would like to thank Jun and Laura for their tireless work and faith in me. And most importantly, thank you to each of the contributors for trusting me with your stories. Six Sovereign exists because of and in honour of you. Wonderful, Darcy. Wonderful, wonderful. I love that forward so much. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? I can. Um, my name is Darcy. Uh, I am a Palawa person, but I was raised culturally and otherwise on Yorta Yorta country in Shepparton. 
I moved to Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung country after high school and have lived here ever since. I um, am involved in mob and trans and disabled community spaces and am very passionate about uh, community love and care and liberation and seeking those things beyond the confines of the colonial imagination. I kind of do a lot of things across different spaces, uh, like arts and education, healthcare and justice and all of those things, because we don't, we don't work in silos. Uh, these, these community care things are holistic and, can't really be separated from one another and that's kind of the same with with our identities so i say mob and trans and disabled community spaces but um that's kind of just because those are the words that i have to express those identities those aren't really siloed identities that can be separated from one another or anything they exist together and um something that's really important to me is solidarity across those community spaces and, and breaking down those silos of identity. Um, yeah, so that's, that's me. So Darcy, could you tell us the process for making the zine? What was the process like and how did you connect with the other writers and artists who were in it? Yeah. So the zine was created as part of the wide ass COVID vaccination disability leaders campaign. So I saw an EOI, an expression of interest, go out from WIDAS seeking people to be involved in creating media for young disabled people about COVID and vaccination. And I put in an expression of interest I didn't really go into it with any expectations or ideas of what I wanted to do. I just wanted to kind of be involved in circumventing in some way the inadequate education that people have received from the bodies that are responsible for keeping people up to date about COVID things especially for communities like disabled folks where there hasn't really been any focus on our lens or or what COVID means for us. So I was really interested in being involved in that, but did, yeah, I didn't really have any preconceived notions going into it about what I wanted to do or what that was going to be like. I I remember just talking about how community connection and representation was important to me and things like that. And like, we kind of just, Jun, Laura and I kind of just went back and forth until the idea of what became Six Sovereign was born. But um, from there, uh, I put together an EOI for contributors. The idea going into it was just wanting people's perspectives, wanting to share people's stories around COVID and vaccination. There was no like specific question or prompt. It was kind of just like your piece will explore 
the experience of being disabled and First Nations in the pandemic. Um, I wanted to keep it intentionally broad because I didn't want to kind of try garner any specific responses. I just wanted people to take that and do whatever they wanted with that. It was important for that to be kind of rooted in, in, in self-determination, <laughs> wanting people to do that however they wanted to do that, approach that idea however they wanted to. The EOI at first did not get all that much attention. And I remember at one point I actually completely dropped the zine and I was like, okay, maybe I was wrong in thinking that this is something that anyone other than me wanted or needed. Because the reason that I wanted to create it is because I felt like I was missing something in not having representations of disabled mobs experiences of COVID, you know, that are accessible or easy to find or anything like that. Um, but yeah, at that point I was like, okay, well maybe this is, this actually just isn't something that anyone really needs or wants. Maybe I, I was wrong in, in thinking that. And when those expressions of interest started coming in, um, and people started saying why they wanted to be involved and why it was important for them and, and sending in their contributions, I realized how badly it needed to exist um, and how important it was. I remember um, HG's submission was, um, I think, the first one that I read and it like gave me chills and I was like, okay, I know that I can't, I can't just like drop this now, this like at the very least other people deserve to like feel what I felt reading this. Yeah. So, but that was, yeah, how I kind of came to, to meet the contributors and um, have their stories shared with me. Well, now that you have created something and you do recognize that the, not only is it meaningful for you, but it's meaningful for so many other people and there is a need for it and a need for it ongoing, I would say. Um, what would you like to see more of for disabled First Nations writers and artists? And I'm thinking particularly for those who are emerging, regardless of their age, like emerging can be, you can be 40 and emerging. So going forward, what, what do you see, what would you like to see for emerging writers and artists? Visibility, unapologetic visibility, and that it doesn't have to be neat or polished or polished or cohesive. It just needs to exist. In my experience, the intersection between indigeneity and disability is a really tense one. Disabled spaces are so white and indigenous spaces are often really inaccessible. And yet these experiences are directly connected to one another. Like, it's not like disabled blackfellas and, and other disabled First Nations folks don't exist. We're just not given permission to be loud or, or we're taught that we don't deserve to be. But storytelling is our birthright and we don't need permission or validation from the colony or from anyone to do that. Storytelling is something that I've found strength in for my entire life. 
whether that's through song or dance or acting or writing or any other variety of mediums. But I still doubt my right to share what I create with the world. And I still talk myself out of things. Like, I'm like, uh, you know, is my voice really actually needed here? Do I really have anything new or different to say? But it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I really struggle to maintain that position and that confidence in my own abilities. Um, so it's in a sense kind of hypocritical for me to be saying it to other people. But if you are a, you know, disabled First Nations creator, if you are a disabled First Nations storyteller and you are looking for permission to share your stories to create, I am giving you that permission. But I am also saying that you don't need that permission because your creative outputs are your birthright. I really want to see more disabled First Nations voices at the forefront of disabled spaces, particularly in the arts, and not just when they align with the movements and narratives that are comfortable and familiar for disabled white folks. Because in, in a lot of disabled spaces, including spaces that label themselves as disability justice spaces, which does a massive disservice to the history of, of the disability justice movement, whiteness remains invisible and unquestioned. It, it's, it's aggressively present, but it's not named, and so it remains unchallenged. It's just a norm. And every time disabled First Nations people, and particularly in this context, disabled mob, assert an unrelenting right to exist, it, it disrupts and destabilizes that invisibility of whiteness. And it's important for so many reasons, right? So, like, no one wants to talk about how colonial violence has compounded in COVID responses and how that impacts mob, you know? Like, no one wants to talk about the specific, unique complexities of, for example, mob wanting to keep themselves and their communities safe, but hesitating or refusing to get vaccinated because of the trauma of generations of, of continuing forced government control over our bodies and how that trauma intersects and, and compounds when disabled because disabled bodies, largely because of their perceived proximity to racialized bodies, are also subject to eugenics, to paternalistic government interventions, um, that strip people of their autonomy and dignity, and you don't you don't really hear those conversations. But disabled experiences of COVID cannot be separated from the broader contexts of colonialism and white supremacy and capitalism that they sit within. To do so just reproduces the same systems of oppression, but with a slightly extended membership. Um, of the oppressing force that, that you know, allows people with a close enough proximity to the oppressor to be able to, con like, gain conditional acceptance. But that doesn't liberate anyone. That doesn't even liberate the people who have gotten closer to the oppressor. That continues to oppress everyone involved in that situation. Centering 
the experiences of the communities that bear the brunt of existing at those intersections, that's an important first step in bringing the conversation back and, and firmly and clearly situating it within those broader contexts of colonialism and white supremacy and capitalism. And every time a disabled First Nations person unapologetically exists in a space as themselves, that contributes to that disruption. So to kind of circle back to your question, just existing. I just want to see disabled First Nations people creating and unapologetically and without hesitation putting the things that they create out into the world because that's powerful. Next up, we're going to hear from 14-year-old Mo, a young contributor to the Sikh Sovereign Zine. Mo's going to introduce themselves and then read their contribution. Hi, my name is Mo. I'm 14 and Dangadi and Brewerpai person living in Wadarang country. I enjoy video games, board games and programming. Growing to my early teenage years in the pandemic was a very strange experience. When the first case arrived, how long wouldn't these lockdowns last? When was everything opened back up? It caused me to feel isolated from the greater world around me, like I had nothing to look forward to when all this was over. The first few years of the pandemic feel like a blur. I struggled to remember the exact dates of things that happened and what year of the two they happened in. Is that my fault for not writing down everything that happened on a day-to-day basis? Or is that just a byproduct of the lockdowns and having to self-isolate for days and sometimes months uh, at a time? Lockdowns really contributed to this feeling of isolation that I got in these first years of the pandemic. Even when I had a persistent event in my week, that would be on the same day each week. It also got cancelled, moved, or put online, which took a while out of me. At the time, getting the COVID vaccination felt strange. After almost a year and a half, a year and a half of this plague, and just now we're getting access to things that would stop us from getting it. It felt strange walking into that facility. How long will the effect, side effects last? Will I actually, will it actually help with anything if I didn't talk to anyone in person? Will they even get COVID? Overall, the COVID-19 pandemic really disrupted and put a stake through all the people's plans and uh, aspirations for their years. And it's unclear what will happen in relation to it and the world at large. Mm, Thank you, Mo. What I love about your piece is that you're just really honest about where you're 
what it was like for you in those first two years. And I know the lockdowns were hard for so many of us. They were really, really difficult. Um, I wanted to know how your year has been this year. This year is a lot better than the last two years of the pandemic. This year was a lot more consistent. There were no lockdowns and I can get back to really focusing on the things that I want to do without feeling a sense of dread every time I do them. I would like to know what are some of the things that are helping you cope on a day-to-day basis that make you happy, that bring you joy and that help you sort of, you know, stay positive or try to get to a positive space? I've been enjoying uh, using temporary computers, programming and uh, playing Dungeons & Dragons with my friends. As soon as most recent planet carried carried me through uh, last year, really. Uh, I think I'm able to dream about what I want to do generally. Uh, It doesn't feel like I've already got anything predetermined like the past few years, and it it feels like I I finally have the freedom to make choices for myself and define what I want to do and be. And I... Finally, I would just want to know, what do you think adults can do better to support young people like yourself who are still in school at this particular time? Um, I, I think there needs to be a better environment for young people to express themselves. Now, a lot of the time you see people, young people, uh, come up with a new idea or new way of thinking, and it just immediately gets shut down because it's new and... Uh, it's new, not made by someone who's 60-plus years old. And I, th- I think we really need to listen to the young young people a lot more and kind of take their uh, ideas on the same level we do anyone else's. We're going to hear from HG, a poetry contributor to the Six Sovereigns Inn. My name is HG Mancini. The H stands for Harrietta, but I go by she they pronouns. And I am a Wadri Durg Durug and Gungara. I can't pronounce it correctly. I'm so sorry. Woman, but I've been mainly based in Median because that's where I was raised. And my poem that I submitted for the zine is called Four. And it's about my uh, multiple personality disorder or dissociative identity disorder and how I coped during COVID. Hello, hello. Can you hear me? I would like to tell you a story, you see. A tale of things that have to be said for all of you to understand the things in my head. I have a problem, a problem with me. A problem so hard, it's not I, but we. There's not just me living inside my head. It's me, my friends, and the dark instead. 
Not one or two, but three or four other me's hiding from the light on the floor. The floor where there's a stage to make quite clear which one of us is going to be here. If it's bright and there is light, it might be me. But if it's dark and in shadow, it'll be two or three. They're not so bad, but then there is four, the most terrifying and saddest ever seen before. Four is lonely, four is small, four is dark, and four is tall. Four's name is not mine, in fact it is long. Four doesn't have my name, it's rather too strong. Four's name is weakness, or sorrow, or strife. I think it's all three that it has in its flight. As he comes only during the time of night, when one, two, and three have turned off the the rest of the lights. Four only appears when one has been bad, when one is lonely or tired or sad, because unlike his friends, two and three, one does not ever fall asleep, you see. One stays awake in the dead of night, when it's dark out and he's turned off his lights. He's so tired, so tired, but can't close his eyes, for fear of just where four always lies. For four will whisper, come play, come play with me. And one cannot ever give in, you see. Once one gives in and turns on the light, four will come out in a terrifying sight. Four is angry. Four is mad. Four is uncontrollable and always bad. He makes one do things that he'll regret. He makes one do things he won't soon forget. But there is one thing that makes one sad. Is It is that four is not truly always mad. Four is the problem that no one understands till someone sees it with their own eyes and hands. Four is the excuse used by very much all who want to be rude and make tears fall. These people do not truly know just what four really does, but I do. I do. Oh, a lot after this fuss. Four is a problem, a problem of mine, but I could see why you would deny that saying in time. Too much, too much running around can make someone distrustful of information found. I've got four stuck in my head. Instead of helping, he makes a mess instead. I realize this now while four is gone, but I don't think this will last for very long. I must ask that you take a moment at hand and ask that you try and understand that though the insomnia and anxiety are not all I've really always had, I cannot say forever that I am all bad. In In these years of fear and strife, of sickness and masks and fancy of flight, I've got autism and allergies as well as to be had. Why? Because I can't compromise. Am I really that bad? I'm not as mad as you make me out to be, you see. I'm only one, not four, two, or three. I can't help the way that I was made. I can't help the way that I will stay. I cannot help that I'm always sick. I cannot help that I become that rather quick. So things I must wear and precautions I must take in a braver world that within I strive to be great. You can see not, you can ask, be nasty and sneer all the more, but I must do what I must do and something even more. For I do not wish for death, you see, for there are people needing and loving me. So while I avoid everything galore, while you shout and rave and rant at my door, there are so many other things to be sad, to be said and to be had. But to reiterate, I'm really not that bad. Absolutely stunning piece. Thank you, HG. I was wondering if you would also read out the following page, um, that little description. I thought it was just so beautifully written. Yeah, no, I I knew there would have to be a description along with it because I didn't think people would really understand. Because at the time I wrote 
the POM, I'd only been diagnosed with uh, four alters, as we call them. But at the time I finally wrote the dedication, I'd been actually diagnosed with the real number, which is seven. So it's going to sound a tiny bit different to the POM, but that's okay. So uh, my experience with having COVID as being a First Nation person and being disabled has been a pleasant one, hence why I decided to write down my feelings in this poem. It was unpleasant and hurtful as my DID, multiple personality disorder, kicked in and there wasn't just one person but seven people sick at the same time in one place, which caused a lot of confusion and terror leading to meltdowns, several uncontrollable personality switches and disassociation including memory loss. It has also been a lot worse for myself and my roommates, as I call them, due to the host being me, not physically being able to be vaccinated and berated for that particular fact, leading to feelings of shame that I thought I had rid myself of years ago when I accepted my culture. It has also exacerbated my inability to use my motor skills, causing a ramp up in seizure activity and leading me unable to drive my electric wheelchair and unable to move entirely on the worst days. Sadly, no one except maybe a few people knows what it's like to be trapped in your own head with no way out, a maze with no price that slowly gets longer and longer without you knowing. Four symbolizes exactly what was going on at the time, when personalities were shoving each other out of the way to be heard and myself fighting through the strife ensuring from the pandemic, ensuing from the pandemic and other factors that co- to come out of the other side in one piece despite my roommates also fighting me. I hope that we can take a lesson from this text, even if we can't relate to it, that not all people are bad because of circumstances that affect them. That is the true message of this at large. Darcy, let the people know. Where can they find the zine? Yes, um, this uh, unfortunately isn't a super easy answer. So um, the zine can be accessed via the Yakvik website. You can find a PDF version of the zine, an accessible word version of the zine, and also an audio description and reading of the zine on that website. And I can share that link with you, Pauline, if you would like to put that in the 3CR broadcast website or whatever, but yeah, I will share that with you. In terms of physical copies of the zine, there were physical copies that were distributed to a few places. Those places were Sticky Institute, um, VARS, the Victorian Aboriginal Health Service, um, uh, Black Aboriginal Corporation, uh, Hares and Hyenas, uh, the Cree Youth Council, and Footscray Community Arts Centre. I do know that all of the zines that were sent to Sticky Institute have flown off the shelves, and they have asked for more zines, and we have allocated more for them. But beyond that, I don't have any oversight over how over stock levels um, at places where physical zines are. We are running very low on physical copies. We printed 350 of them and thought that that would be way more than we needed. But Six Sovereign has actually garnered a lot more attention than we ever anticipated it would get. So I am looking into options for another print run, but the 
first print run and the zine as a whole was funded by White Ass. So I have to look into possibilities for how we might get another print run. If and when that happens, I will keep you updated, Pauline. You've been listening to Sick Sovereign. We're going to close out the show today with another song request from our zine guests. This track is called White Noise by Dancing Water. Here to stay.
recognize my black mind and from the dream time I go back they commit a genocide through my tracks they raped our mothers less than my black they bought the violence when they attacked I ain't here to start trouble I'm just here to state facts you can't paint me how you want to paint cracks and I'm tied to my mob got my mob on my back <sighs> warrant ties are covered in blood whitewashing our history to cover it up proof is all in the pudding cause this nation couldn't give a fuck about us we survive unseated undivided our people stay fighting cause the flame is ignited we stay righteous we cannot be silenced the silence is violence the reason we're divided and they choose not to digest the truth instead they just go ahead and delude our youth only love the system cause it just suits you give a fuck about the law yeah I'd rather grass roots black to the bone black to the busy mob on my back yeah they all rock with me barker in my blood that river flow through me I'm matriarchy all bloodline 120 this for the black matriarchs this for my sisters who lived in the dark this for my sisters who carry our past on their shoulders this is for black matriarchs this is for all of our women this is for all of our children couldn't care less about the monarch I'm a set fire to the kingdom I'm coming for them more hail to black matriarchs I'm the pain and the proof the history that lays out the truth and they couldn't walk a mile in our shoes tell us to go bush when they all introduce fuck it we've been here for too long matriarchy blood yeah been built strong song lines deep yeah got me singing songs cause I can't forget where I came from Bakunji country Mongo man pass it to my kids tell them this your land I came from the dirt go back in red sand there's a river nuku I'm proud of who I am creator created me tough and I'm calling out all your bluffs saying the past is all in the past well that dark past still lives in my mum I stay radical I know the truth couldn't kill my ancestors I'm the proof I know I still got some screws loose but my third eye's open and I'm looking right through looking at you nunkle right here gonna do what I do so my little black seeds ain't gonna prove shit to you not just send me gone but what do free to send me hold it down for the few this for the black matriarchs this for my sisters who lived in the dark this for my sisters who carry our past on their shoulders this is for black matriarchs this is for all of our women this is for all of our children couldn't care less about the monarch I'm a set fire to the kingdom I'm coming for them more hell to black matriarchs you know I have a culture I am a cultured person don't try and suppress me and don't call me a problem I have never left 